Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from the top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got the italian stallion mr johnny crypto gonzo also known as super g and we don't have a fourth guest for today but i'm very excited for today's show Today in Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the banking collapse of the decade started over this weekend with over $100 billion of value erased from U.S. banks. Ripple, Coinbase, and USDC respond, telling the world without on and off ramps, this market becomes centralized. Several stablecoins depegged from the U.S. dollar, showing the crypto community how interconnected this market is, while Kevin O'Leary explains how the fragmentation of the American economy is the secret killer nobody was anticipating. And with the Federal Reserve reaching a fork in the road in the battle against inflation, we break down the details, showing our community how this digital transformation was always set in stone. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So the Italian Stallion is in the building this morning. And of course, it's a sleeveless Monday for my friend. So Johnny, thank you for being here. And how you feeling, bro? Well, Abs, it's been a crazy hot weekend, as we all know. Banks failing everywhere, things going down left and right. Got so hot, I couldn't, I was over sweating over here. So I just had to cool down, put the tank top on, just chill out, and everything's going to be fine. But a uh, good morning to all the war maniacs out there. Love you guys. Appreciate it. Great to see you, Gonzo. And uh, boy, I don't know where to start. There's so much to talk about, Abs. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long show, but let's get. I'm going. excited for it, and we're gonna put a little positive spin on all the turbulence in the market today, Gonzo. Thank you for being here. Always excited to see you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Uh, I'm having a little glitch right now, so I can hear you guys, and then the video is delayed, so I'll have to work that out. It's a little bit distracting, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a great week- weekend. I got to spend time uh, with family. Uh, it was my daughter's birthday. And then uh, Shelly's nephew's birthday on Sunday. It's funny because we went out to Napa for lunch and uh, they had an SVP, uh, Silicon Valley Bank branch that was there that we walked by. So I was just laughing because we've all been talking about SVP and what's been going on. But yeah, man, it's going to be a great show. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get the show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto. We're at 3,014 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, climbing from a 33 last week all the way to a 49 on Monday. And as you can tell, green bubbles across the board. When we look at some of the daily movers, we've got GRT up 28%. This almost looks like a glitch in the simulation. I've never seen this before. Almost every project across the board is green. One of the biggest movers we have, CFX up 70% on the day. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting back over a trillion at $1.06 trillion dollars. Bitcoin is 44% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at 24,200. Ethereum, 1,700. XRP is 37 cents. Cardano is 35. Avalanche is 16. And let's scroll down to Quant Network. 
back at 128 this morning. And guys, we got 166 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and let's dive right into the content that we have prepared for today, Johnny. I don't want to get your take on any projects you're watching. Let's dive right into the Signature Bank debacle. So over this weekend, we had some interesting news come out out of Signature Bank claiming that there was insolvency behind the scenes. Now, people are blaming this on the crypto market, but what we're going to explain throughout the show is that this is a banking sector issue that crypto can solve. So we're going to start with this clip from Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan. Here we go. The economy is so big. We move, JP Morgan alone, these companies, $6 trillion. We move all the way. And Bitcoin in total is 50, all these cars are $50 billion, maybe a billion dollar trades a day. And, and the other thing I've always made about Bitcoin, governments, and this is not a technological statement, governments are going to crush it one day. Governments like to know where the money is, who has it, and what you're doing with it. And you, in case you haven't noticed. Okay? <laughs> and That's something that me and J- Jamie Dimon definitely both agree upon, Johnny. And one of the things that sticks out to me here is he claims that nobody knows who created Bitcoin, and they, that's why they won't allow it to succeed. I think he needs to talk to the NSA agents who tracked down Satoshi back in 2016. But I do want to get your take before we dive into our content. How do you feel about Jamie Dimon claiming governments are the biggest, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? The biggest enemy of Bitcoin. Oh, there's no abs. There's no question about it. For, For once, he finally said something truthful. Everything he said was spot on. There's no question about it that they don't, they don't want, they don't want money out there. That's not untraceable. They don't want things they can't control. And that's exactly what Bitcoin is, right? I want to say untraceable because we all know that it can be traceable. You wouldn't want to do something, some nefarious activity in Bitcoin. Uh, you can actually track it right to where you are, right? But in terms of the control aspect of it, I think he's spot on. And I think we're seeing uh, Operation Choke Point, uh, you know, at its highest level right now. And it seems to be working. Gonzo, I want to get your take as well. And this is some of the biggest news out of out of the uh, the mainstream media this morning. The United States government's coordinated tact to asphyxiate the digital asset ecosystem continues now as Silvergate Bank and SVV have both failed over the weekend. Many of the major players in crypto have shifted their liquidity over to Signature Bank, which, of course, puts a big target on the back of Signature Bank for the regulators. And what did we see over this weekend? Signature Bank collapsed right before our eyes, and people are blaming this on crypto, Gonzo. Before we break down the details, broad spectrum, what's it mean to you? Yeah, you know, we were talking about this before the show that, uh, you know, everything was about Silicon Valley Bank, right, starting as a Friday. And it just seems that, like, on Sunday night, all of a sudden they kind of slid in the whole Signature Bank thing, which is where a lot of the, you know, crypto ecosystem system had moved to, but this is definitely not a crypto issue. This is exposing the Ponzi of the Federal Reserve banking system, right? Uh, I mean, these guys basically got caught with their pants down, right? They were uh, buying T-bills that were long-term and we had an inverse yield curve where the long-term were uh, less percentage than the short-term, right? And so what happened was, is they saw a weakness. I think they had to sell something that caused a like $1.9 billion loss. And that started the ball going of the bank run of people not feeling confident on what Silicon Valley Bank was doing and started pulling their money out. And then the next, you know, we had a full on bank run because these guys had to start liquidating their assets. Right. So what they were doing was they were selling those long term T-bills at a loss and it started to stockpile. And then FDIC came in and shut them down. I know we're going to talk a little bit later about but it looks like they're going to get backstopped. And Johnny, the biggest thing that sticks out to me this morning is the fact that it started with the banking system and they blamed it on cryptocurrencies. Originally, Signature Bank or Silver Bank had $2.5 billion that they could not account for. When the everyday person got rumors of this, they went to the bank and pulled all their funds. And that's what we call a liquidity crisis. People like us were going to the bank and they were being turned away saying, we don't have your money right now. And that's why Janet Yellen and the Federal Reserve stepped in. But I do want to play this clip breaking down all the important details. It's about four minutes, so we will commentate throughout the show. Here we go, Johnny. Play this clip and going back to you. This is all about, this all started actually in 2019. As many people know, there was a giant influx, 2019, 2020, 2021, in startup funding. Startup funding started going up like crazy. To give you guys some context, within one year, Silicon Valley Bank's deposits tripled. Tripled. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars. Then... As their, uh, as their deposits grew, they had to get yield on those loans. I mean, any, any good bank would do that. Uh, 
in an effort to get yields, they tried to look in the market to get guaranteed yields. Remember, most of those deposits were coming from startups. Most of the loans that they were giving out were to startups. So they were looking for something that was a pretty good guarantee to counteract that, that growth in deposits. Uh, and so they went, and I know that this is uh, these three words are not liked, but mortgage-backed securities, which were pretty stable at the time at 1.56%, 10-year duration. They put money into that, and uh, and everything was looking great. They have lots of deposits. They have a giant loan book. Everything and yield was looking good for that time. Fast forward to last week, and this is when it gets really crazy. Moody has a phone call with the senior executives at SBB. Over the last year, everything has collapsed, as many people know in the tech industry. Valuations have collapsed, deposits went down, and interest rates rise rate was were, uh, went up so fast that that 1.56% yield was was a lot lower than what you could get from bonds in the market. So, Johnny, I'm going to pause it there and let everybody commentate on what he just said. I think what's right around the corner, and we have an address coming from the Federal Reserve later today, Eventually, they're going to try and convince Americans that four to five percent inflation is what's sustainable here. We cannot continue to battle against inflation when projects like this are collapsing before our eyes. A hundred billion dollars in banking was erased in just 48 hours due to this collapse. And this could be the beginning of the end if they don't react and completely change their stance on inflation. If banks don't have access to cheap credit, there's no money to fuel this economy. The, the Federal Reserve understands that far better than I do. But I'd like to get your take, Johnny. What does this mean to you? Yeah, well, let's let's you know you always say this, so I'll steal your line. Um, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. About a hundred years ago, we had exactly the same thing happen. This is actually, this is actually called a bank run when people don't have confidence in the banks, abs, and they go to the bank and they go and pull all their money out. And obviously, as we all know, the banks don't have your money because they relent ninety percent of it back out again. You want to fix the problem? It's a simple solution. They're never going to do it. But you force banks to hold on to a reserve, you know, 50%. Or actually, if you held on to 80% or something, this problem would never happen. But our system is not set up that way, Abs. It's set up where, you know, it's always about leverage and, and borrowing and trying to make money off it. So they got caught, right, in a situation where they're loaning out or making, what, 1% on money. But now we know interest rates are much, much higher. That's an unsustainable model. And the bank should know that. They all, Everybody knew that, 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 that the Fed was going to be raising rates. Everybody knew that this wasn't going to be lasting forever. So they either purposely left it that way. So we have, yeah, exactly. It's a bank run. Problem, reaction, solution. And then, of course, what better thing to do? Because I've been telling you all the time. What do we tell you on the show every day? What do we tell you on the show every day? Here, guys. All right. What do we say? This is exactly what they're telling you. They're blaming it on crypto. Crypto is bad. CBDC good. Exactly. Right? A lot of people on Spotify on here, Johnny. No, we kidding. knew we <laughs> knew this. Oh, yeah. So I'll read it. Exactly. So, but we've been telling you crypto is bad and CBDs are good. So they're gonna tell you crypto is bad. Jamie just told you that the banks or governments are gonna crush Bitcoin forever. It'll be eliminated at some point, right? That's what he's saying. And then you're hearing that, you know, this whole problem is because of crypto, and they're gonna just keep hammering you with that. That's going to be the narrative going forward. And then at some point, a solution is going to come out. And they're going to say, hey, we have this wonderful thing called the CBDC. And it's going to prevent. Remember that problem we had with all these banks crashing? Don't worry. That'll never happen again. This is all set up, buddy. It's all coming. Absolutely, Johnny and Gonzo. I want to get your take on this as well. This is just another proof of the simulation, my friends. Whether it's a coordinated attack or a coincidence, guess who served on the board of directors at the failing of Signature Bank? That would be none other than Barley Frank one of the co-parents of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform Act and Protection Act. So among other things, this man worked to bring in the expanded powers of the Federal Reserve in order to prevent a recurrence of bank failures that triggered the great financial crisis in 2008. So let me just explain that a little bit more simple. In 2008, this man came in and gave the Federal Reserve control to bail out banks. And what is he doing here? He's in the exact same situation 15 years later in 2023. But guys, we got 290 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, tell me your take here, my friend. What do you think about the same man who was responsible for the Fed saving us back in 2008? He's at the forefront here in 2023. Yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. You know, what you had after 2008 is you got the banks that got bailed out. And so it's no wonder that they're doing risky things, right? Because when we were in a zero interest environment, um, these guys started to invest in these long-term kind of assets and didn't foresee uh, what was coming. And 
They should have, right? Because this is what they do. This is the world that they're in. But because in the back of their heads, they have that, hey, they're going to get bailed out. Um, they don't care. And then we get these bank runs, right? Um, we'll see what happens because Janet Yellen, you know, came out and she's already said that there isn't going to be a bank bailout, that it's going to be a, a, a backstop. So basically what they're saying is that if you have equity in the bank, you're not getting covered. It's just the depositors that are getting covered. And usually it's like the FDIC insurance, right? Anything that's 250 and below, but these guys are saying for SVP, SVB, and Signature Bank that all the depositors will be covered. Uh, and, you know, and that's why, like, I think USDC had become depegged. We can talk about that. But then all of a sudden it got its peg back because that money is going to, they're going to get their money back, basically. Anyone that had money in the bank is going to get their money back. Gonzo, what you know, when you say anybody who gets their money back, are, are they saying, because I read somewhere only up to 250. So if you had a, a million dollars or $10 million, are they all getting their money back? Um, yes, that's what they're saying, right? So they're saying it's not, like it's a, not bailout. a big bailout. Yeah, it's not just the F, it, it's not. So the I guess the difference between like the bank bailout and like uh, a backstop or a uh, bail in is that the bank doesn't survive, right? Um, or they don't cover people that had equity in the bank, right? They're going to lose their money. It's anybody that had uh, what they call depositors, anyone that had money in the bank, they're going to cover that. Um, and so- the bank still goes away, but people are going to be able to access their funds, even over $250,000. That's what the Fed is saying for both banks. It's really interesting, Johnny. And I think it's something that we've been talking about for a while. Specifically, Coach JV has been talking about this banking collapse since 2021. And many of those narratives fell into the background. Well, what do we have today? USDC actually depegged from the dollar over the weekend due to this banking sector collapse. And think about this, Johnny. This is one of the most stable, stable coins in the market. This is the one that BlackRock is backing, Circle is backing. Not only do they have the best partnerships, they have the most money behind them. And even they couldn't um, avoid this collapse. So as you can see, on March 10th, we were sitting just a fraction of a cent below $1. Well, within a couple of hours, we went from 99 cents all the way down to 88.3 cents on a dollar pegged stable coin. Now, clearly we've had a rising... Um, We've, we've gained that value back over the last 48 hours, but it's a broader concern for me. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me is Tether survived this whole ordeal. The Chinese-backed stablecoin, the one that everybody tells you not to use, is the one that continues to survive these collapses, Johnny. So I want to get your take on that before we dive into the details here. Does this add to your confidence in Tether? Or what does it say about USDC? They couldn't avoid a collapse like this. Abs, I'm so glad you brought this up. I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about this a while ago on the show. And uh, at the end of the day, we always talk about always do the opposite of what they tell you. And everybody, I remember it was maybe six, nine months ago. Everybody kept saying, Tether's going to go down. Tether's going to go down. And we said it on this show. No freaking way is Tether going down. Why did I say that? Because I knew that there were, there were too many people talking about it. It was too obvious. It's not going to happen. And in fact, what did they keep saying? Tether was going to go down and USDC was the safest. And that's why I was worried because it was you. You have to do the opposite of what they're saying to you. So we knew Tether was going to be safe. And now that they're telling us the USDC was safe, it's the reason why I put a lot of stuff into PAXG instead because I didn't trust either one of them, didn't know which way to go with it. And I always trust something backed by gold. So, I mean, but you know, I will give credit to Selvin. I think he, he texted us Saturday night. He's like, oh my God, it's 86 cents. We should buy it right now. You know, it would have been a good buy to buy it at a depeg at 86 cents or so. That's what leverage trading is for, right? Go in and 8x that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only kidding. You could have gone to, you could have gone to, uh, I think it's Bybit. I think you could have got a Bybit and they have a, a thing on stable coins. And yeah, you could, you could have traded that. And that don't arbitrage. you think somebody <laughs> wasn't? There's no doubt there were big boys playing leverage in that one that day. They, they knew that was going to happen. So there you go. Well, yeah. Wild Tree Man just commented, are we rich yet? No, my friend, it is not 2025, but we got 332 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and Gonzo, give me your comments on this, because as USDC depegged, all, all, if not a lot of that liquidity shifted into Tether, and look what happened. We had Tether depeg in the opposite direction, actually increasing by almost a penny above the dollar, and that was just from this morning, so... I do think this is something all of our listeners should be aware of because as they're telling us that USDC is to be trusted, Tether proves to be the coin that can sustain these market, uh, these bear market catalysts. So Gonzo, please give me your take and then we'll continue. Yeah. So, I, I mean, when you look at USDC, it, we definitely didn't think that was going to be the one to become DPEG. But when you look, when it, 
how it became depegged. I don't think it was ever like in danger of going to zero or getting a Terra Luna collapse thing, right? It was because USDC had their corporate, uh, a certain corporate cash balance on Silicon Valley Bank. I think it came out to about 8%. And when you see what it dropped, right? And and Circle to like stop a panic, even though they, they did have a lot of redemptions, had come out and said, hey, whether they get their money back through the FDIC or through whatever deal they make with the government, or they're going to use corporate funds to back it. Um, I, I think they were going to be able to come up with the money or the difference. I think it came out to like 3.3 billion or, or something like that. But what we saw was I, th I saw USDT as high as I think a dollar and two cents, maybe a dollar and three cents. So you had people that were moving from USDC into USDT uh, and it, it caused that uh, kind of arbitrage where the, where the price went up. But I, I don't think that USDC was ever in, in danger of, you know, going to zero or, or doing a collapse. But what was interesting is CZ's uh, tweet that I think was, I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday, where, you know, that big fund that he has, he's got like a billion dollars. And instead of like um, doing, you know, putting it into stable coins, uh, he was going to put it into, because remember, he has that kind of fund that's there to help uh, in case there's something catastrophic that happens. It was in a stable coin, but there, he's going to move it into Bitcoin, Ethereum, and BUSD. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And uh, Johnny, I do want to get your comments on this. Gonzo, we were getting a little bit of an echo, just a quick heads up. So CZ tweeted it out this morning, given the changes in stablecoins and banks, Binance will convert its mating $1 billion of industry recovery initial funds from BUSD into native cryptos, including Bitcoin, BNB, and Ethereum. Some movement may occur on chain for complete transparency, but Johnny, this is a bigger shift. This is a broader shift away from centralized banking, and people are talking about stablecoins as if they needed to be wiped out. Well, what are we seeing today? The on and off ramps are dwindling by the day, whether it's Signature Bank, Coinbase, many of the qualified custodians are being pushed out of the United States, and this is the perfect catalyst for people like JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, all of these um, centralized entities to come in and take control of the market. So I really just wanted to get your thoughts there. What do you think about this being a positive catalyst for traditional finance to get their hands in crypto? Well, you know, I've always felt like CZ was one of the good guys and he's trying to really keep crypto alive. He's got the biggest exchange in the world. Um, and, you know, he was attacked with his BUSD. And so he did say, though, that he was going to have a billion dollar recovery fund to try and prop up and save the industry. So kudos for him for putting that in there and starting to do that. Um, but Abs, it was a really important tweet that I want, uh, uh, not tweet, question that came up that I, th I feel we need to address. So this is a great question, Rick. Where to buy gold? I think gold is certainly one of those things which is always, always just a, a safe, good investment. In my opinion, if you want to preserve your capital, and this is just my opinion, I'm not financial advisor, not financial advisor, um, but I always feel gold is a great place. So to answer your question, you can buy gold in a number of different places. The first place I'd recommend it, Check your local coin shop. Literally call them. That's why I get mine. Call up your coin shops. They're local. Um, usually you can get some better pricing with them. And you can go there and you can buy gold. You can buy silver coins and you can, you know, lots of stuff there. And you can buy old pre-1934 numismatic coins and things like that for if you're worried about them confiscating. So that's one place. The other place you can get is, you know, there's places online. Go check, you know, JPM, Bullion, Roslyn Gold. You'll see the ads on TV. But if you're in the academy... If you're in the academy, go in the Mighty Networks and in the uh, courses section there, or there's a section in there where Coach has a contact that we have at the academy, a uh, man named Tom, who's with a gold company, and a lot of folks buy their gold from him too. So if you're in the academy, you can check that source out. If not, try out those other places too. I hope that helps. I do think gold is not a bad place to be as well, or at least have some of your portfolio in that. Thank you, guys. And for all the boomers out there, I hope you enjoyed that gold content because we are right about to get into the crypto. That's only a joke, my friends. But I'm going to show you this USDC news because this is pretty cool. So USDC move just moved from Cross River Bank, that bank that integrated with Ripple's technology back in 2014. And Gonzo brought it to my attention this morning. Ripple could actually be used as a solution for a lot of these on-demand liquidity issues that we're seeing today. And this could be the connection that we're looking for. So Circle announces a new banking partnership with Cross River Bank a New Jersey-based fintech-friendly uh, bank that partners with other companies such as Coinbase, Visa, Stripe, Affirm, and Upstart. So many billion-dollar companies are already using this, this partnership. So on March 10th, 2023, following a joint statement by the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, all depositors with Silicon Bank and Signature Bank will be made whole. The 3.3 billion USDC reserve deposit at Silicon Valley Bank, or about 8% of total USDC reserves, 
will be fully available when U.S. banks open tomorrow morning, which is today. There's no USDC cash reverts that were held by Signature Bank. As a regulated payment token, USDC remains redeemable as a one-to-one peg with the U.S. dollar. Another statement I felt like was worth noting is Circle CEO commented and said, we are heartened to see the U.S. government and financial regulators take crucial steps to mitigate the extending from the banking system. We've long advocated for full reserve digital currency banking that insulates our base layer of internet money and the payment systems from the fractional reserve banking risk. And this is a problem we've dealt with for hundreds of years, but it's the most important problem we're dealing with today. Every dollar that goes into the bank, 97% of that is lent out, whether it's free credit, free loans, going and fueling the economy that exists today. It's a great system until a Ponzi scheme collapses. So Gonzo, I've talked for too much now. I'm going to kick it over to you. What is your take on all of this news and the fact that Ripple is indirectly connected to this collapse? Yeah, you know, I I saw the story this morning and I had read the 2014 article. So I got to do more research, but it seems like a very interesting thing. You know, there's definitely a need now because with Signature Bank going away, um, there's going to be a need for on and off ramps. Now, they're also, I think they're going to really have to take a look at the Federal Reserve banking system and how it works. Because in a day where money moves slowly, they were able to kind of manage this Ponzi scheme thing. And now as money is starting to move instantaneously, it's starting to expose the cracks in that system, right? Because you have a combination of the Fed raising rates, right? And depositors not putting money into the banks. So that liquidity is going away. And then uh, they make bad investments and then, you know, they get exposed. So we're going to have to see how that plays out in the overall. But there's definitely, you know, a need for like a new on and off ramp. Now, I talked to you about this morning. There was a very interesting kind of story or kind of commentary that I was I forgot what channel I was on. And they were talking about, um, you know, we always look at that there's a limited on and off ramp as a bad thing. But I guess the other side of that coin is they give an example. I think it's in Nigeria where it's uh, very limited on and off ramps. And that actually has helped the price of Bitcoin because it's very hard to get. So it's almost like a supply and demand thing. Again, I just kind of heard them comment about it. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but I thought it was an interesting take, right? If that we're very limited in how we can access, let's say Bitcoin, right? Um, when it comes time to sell it, um, you, you know, it might give it value because it's harder to find. Johnny, yeah. I'd like to get your take on that as well, because we talk about how the centralization of crypto could be a bad thing for the industry. Gonzo put a little bit of a positive spin on it. If you buy crypto and then you have nowhere to sell it, I guess the price has to go up. Am I right? So give me your take on that right there. Yeah, except the problem is that's a short term solution that's not sustainable. If people realize they can't use it for anything and they can't get rid of it. Guess what? Nobody's going to buy it. They're going to stop buying it. And for me, I want to see just the opposite. The last thing we want to see is, is, is only one or two banks. And that's all there is right now. There's about one or two banks left that are on and off ramps for these exchanges. And the reality is if people can't get their money in to the exchanges and now it's going to get harder, then guess what? If people aren't getting money in, they ain't buying crypto. If they ain't buying crypto, well, guess what, guys? The price is actually going to go down in the long run, not up. So the reality is this is the biggest thing I'm keeping my eye on apps. I actually did this at TikTok yesterday is we need to wait to see that what happens now to these banks. So what's going to happen to SVB? What's going to happen to Silvergate? What's going to happen to Signature? Is somebody going to come in? And this is what I'm keeping my eye on right now and buy these things for pennies on the dollar, right? Because they're going to have some assets there that they may say, you know what? So don't be surprised if a JP Morgan, because it happened in 2008, uh, I think they bought Beer Stearns. Uh, JP Morgan bought one of them. I don't remember which or, or Lehman. Washington Mutual. Washington. They ended up taking all the assets of Washington Mutual. And it was the largest that, banking collapse. Yeah. And that's what we need to see here is which one of these banks, is somebody going to come in and prop up and save one or two of these banks? And are they going to continue to keep the crypto? Uh, you know, Will they continue to support the crypto aspect of it because i really believe apps right here with mental like mental like spot on i think any crypto bank that's exploitable balance sheets they will be targeted by them until they decide that this is game over and they don't want to play this route i think the crypto banks any bank that has anything with the word crypto or supports crypto is going to be under attack during the next four years of then they fight you stage that we're in right now i think in the short term though you could already see the market turning around uh the market is rallying why is because the Fed has always said that 
it's going to continue to raise rates until it breaks something. And what's breaking is the banking system. So they're stuck, right? Because inflation is still up there. So we might start to see this new narrative that, hey, it, we're going to have to live with 4 or 5% inflation because if they continue to raise rates, uh, you're going to completely collapse the banking system and the American economy. So right now, that's why the, that's why the market's rallying because it's assuming that we're not going to get any more uh, um, raising of rates or it, it's going to slow down. Right. So yeah. uh, th I think this is an important week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised how they manipulate everything. If those inflation numbers that come out this week are totally manipulated and they're like, oh, look, inflation's not as bad as we thought it was. And now, you know, we don't have you know, we don't have to raise rates 50 or 25. We could just go even on where we're at now. So, yeah, definitely pay attention to that this week. Absolutely, Gonzo. And I think that's why the Federal Reserve is going to completely shift their stance and try and convince the American public Four to five percent inflation is now what is sustainable, even though anybody who even has a basic economics degree, if you took a single economics course in high school or college, what do they teach you? Number one, the first thing they teach you, two percent inflation rate has always been the goal and it comes from the gold standard. We're not going to bore you and get into the details right now because we have a Twitter thread from Brad Garlinghouse breaking down how his company was indirected, indirectly invested in the banking collapse that happened over the weekend. But before we do that, guys, we got 373 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And since we have all of these listeners in the building, we are going to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, Johnny, it is also absolutely free for the first 30 days. So guys, please check out the free trial listed right down below. Go sign up. There's literally no charge in signing up for this product, but we got 378 live listeners. Show us some love, smash that like button and check out this latest update from Ripple when it comes to the banking collapse we are experiencing today. So Brad Garlinghouse put out a tweet being completely transparent and honest here. He said Ripple had some exposure to SVB. It was a banking partner and held some of our cash balances. Fortunately, we expect no disruption to our day-to-day -day business and already held the majority of our USDC with a broader network of banking partners. What's more important is the third tweet in this thread. So I'm going to read the remainder of these two and kick it to you and Gonzo. Obviously, a lot is still unknown about what happens with SVV, as is the case with many others. We hope to have more details soon, but rest assured, Ripple remains in a strong financial position. It's ironic that so much of what's happening as some companies scramble to make payroll highlights how our broken our financial systems still are. Wires that are still not 24-7 and 365, rumors that lead to banking collapses in the frictions of moving money within a deeply fragmented system. And what do we always say, Johnny? Ripple is going to open up the liquidity for global banking, removing these fractional reserves, removing the tension in our banking system, and hopefully preventing future banking collapses. So I'd love to start with you and we'll kick it to Johnny. How do you feel about Brad Garlinghouse statements here? Well, I, I think the first thing is obviously he had to come out as CEO and address whether or not this was going to have an impact. And I think I read somewhere that it was only uh, a few, you know, a small portion of their holdings. <clears throat> and by the way, it was USD that they were holding, not DC. But, um, and that, and they have it cross, you know, sending different across a bunch of different banks. But I just want to go back to something you guys were talking about earlier that I think is important. You guys were talking about the Fed trying to bring the rate down and their goal is 2%. And we know that they've raised rates too. Everybody has said it. They've raised it too fat because you can solve the problem if you have moved the rates slow, but they have been just going too fast. Well, the other day I saw uh, Powell on the interview abs and they asked them, hey, are you going to, you know, 2% is kind of far. We still have a long way to go. You raised the rates high. Are you going to back off the 2%? And he said, absolutely not. Now, this was last week or two weeks ago. So it would be curious to see 
And this is what you should, guys should be looking for. We should all be looking for this. Let's see now if Powell changes his tune. Hopefully someone will ask him the question based on what happened this weekend. Is he still aiming for 2%? My guess is Abs, he still is. I don't think he's going to change. I just hope that he slows the rate at what they're going to, because if they keep going. You know what it reminds me of, Johnny? It reminds me when I wouldn't do my homework, but I'd show up to test day and I'd say, I'm shooting for an A. You know, that optimism, it never hurts you. But at the end of the day, Jerome Powell knows that there's only two ways that inflation can be combated. You can raise rates, you can lower rates. So if they decide to start lowering rates and allowing cheaper credit, that is going to raise inflation. There's no two cents about it. Right. I don't care if his goal is 2%. It's literally impossible if they turn the printing press back on. And they're not going to. There's no way he's turning the printing press on right now. And that's why we're going to go through this pain because the inflation is too high for him to turn it on. And so what we need to hope is that he slows the rate at which he keeps going up or just stops going up and let things settle here, sit here for six months or a year without going up or down and seeing where this thing actually goes. Right. He raised it so quick, but it takes, there was so much money put into the system. It takes a while for all that to work out and all this pain that we're going to go through. And people said the higher and faster he raises it, the bigger pain we're going to feel. And now you're seeing it. Bank bank runs already starting to happen. He needs to stop raising rates right now. And if anything, just hold them. And I think we have a rate. Don't we have an increase this month coming? So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see what he does this month. Keep an eye on that, folks. And the FOC me, this is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, the percentages for the, you know, it's so funny. We've gone through this whole wild thing where it was like a 1% chance that we were going to go 15. Yeah. And then the numbers came out and it went up to like 50 something percent. And yep. then now with the banks breaking, that number is way back down. Um, now we're looking at, are they even going to do 25 basis points, right? Um, because uh, just imagine if it's one of the top 10 or top five that get exposed, Right. Um, and so, like you said, Johnny, we're going to have to pay attention and see what happens because one of these things has to give, right? Because the banking system is breaking. Yes. And don't think, don't think. And a lot of you guys, I know you weren't born, you're in diapers, wasn't born. Other people are in diapers. In the 19, I remember in the 70s, 80s or late 70s, walking into the bank and interest rates were 12, 13, 16%. Okay. So we're at what? Eight right now, seven and a half. Yeah. So don't think like, oh, we're high. We're not going any higher. No, bullshit. They could go much higher. They've been as high as 16%. I'm not saying we're going there, but it's not like it hasn't happened in our history. It's something to very be very cautious on. We go that high. I can, oh God, the destruction we would see in the U.S. would be crazy. Well, Gonzo, to no coincidence at all, XRP's price chart is finally looking bullish after testing a 13 years. So, sorry, not 13 year, three year trend line here. We haven't broken past our all time high since 2018, but what do we see right now in March 9th of 2023? We are testing a market bottom for the third time, creating a triple bottom, which is one of the most bullish indicators we can get. And guys, to no coincidence at all, Ripple is connected in the background, but Johnny, you brought up something important, which is who's going to come in and purchase these assets at cheap prices. Well, here is some of the breaking news for today. As Silicon Valley Bank UK arm is acquired by HSBC for $1. So literally $1.20. And I'm looking forward to breaking down the details. But you said it yourself. Somebody's going to come in and get access to all of this cheap money and all these cheap clients. HSBC appears to have taken advantage of that opportunity. And I do want to shift gears. Sorry for bouncing all over the place here. But there's a video I wanted to show you from Kevin O'Leary, which is a clear rat snake weasel here. But this is how they do it, guys. They put a little bit of truth nuggets in all the lies. And Kevin O'Leary shared some truth on CNN this week and showed them how fractional, a fractionalized economy is the most dangerous thing for America. And here's the one thing that nobody saw coming. And this is the competition of states. I don't put companies here in New York anymore or in Massachusetts or in New Jersey or in California. Those states are uninvestable. The policy here is insane. The taxes are too high. We put them in Fargo, North Dakota, because 40% of the people work elsewhere, including Boston. So I was, you know, a, a bit of a debate with Elizabeth Warren about this, but I say, look, Senator, we've got to move the companies out of your state because you're not investable anymore. You're punishing people if they're successful. You overtax them. You hit them with a super tax. New Jersey, what a mess. New York, uninvestable. I love this from Kevin O'Leary. Obviously, I don't trust this guy at all. But when I look at these statements, he is actually speaking some truth, Gonzo. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me 
is they penalize the people who succeed in these markets, whether they want 40% on tap capital gains, 7.5% on state tax. They're taking companies like Ripple and they're suing them. So it's better to operate overseas. There's a lot of red flags within this market. But the one thing we fully understand is that the big banks are willing to tell us we love blockchain. We do not like crypto. And Kevin O'Leary is highlighting that here. Whether you're an advocate for decentralized currencies or not, you can't push innovation out of the country because you're not going to cancel these technologies. You're just going to set yourself behind. So whether it's California, New York, or Boston, which is actually where I was born and raised, these are some of the states that not only have the highest tax rates, but have the worst economies since 2020. People are leaving these economies to go to more tax-friendly states, whether it's Florida, Texas, or some of the other ones. So Gonzo, I'd love to get some of your thoughts and then we'll kick it to Johnny. Yeah, you know, he is not wrong. But, you know, according to Gary Gensler, uh, it's not important if we get some of these companies that leave the United States, right? Remember he told us that, that it's not an issue. Uh, but when it comes to the states, yeah, you're going to see this more and more where um, these states are beginning to come more friendly, whether it's taxes or they try to do their own kind of regulatory clarity. I mean, you know, the SEC still rules them all, but there are more states that are a little bit more crypto friendly, right? Like uh, I know uh, Wyoming is another one, right? Uh, and I, isn't that where I think Kind of Kraken is trying to do all their banking things. I think it's out of Wyoming, uh, but yeah, you're you're going to see this more. You know, you saw a mass exodus from people from California and New York City going to other states uh, that that made it better. I, I know that when when I retire, uh, I'm going to retire out at a different state, right? Because of the whole tax thing, uh, I'm not going to retire here in in California because I'll be paying a, a lot more in taxes. Um, so yeah, he's not wrong. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got 395 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And there's two catalysts that stick out to me, Johnny. And we can thank Kevin O'Leary for this insight. Before FTX collapsed, when we first started this show 12, 14 months ago, we were playing videos of Kevin O'Leary saying, you'll know the market bottom comes in when we see a humongous or sorry, a humongous crypto exchange go to zero. Now, many of us were predicting it's probably going to be a stable coin. It could be Circle. It could be Tether. Little did we know it was FTX. And what do we have? We have a clip from Brad Garlinghouse back in 2018 stating that what he said a million times before, 99% of all crypto probably goes to zero, but the 1% that is focused on solving real problems and adding real utility, those are the projects that are going to survive. And we've gotten many indications of that throughout this banking collapse. I'd love to give you the open floor. How do you feel about that news? I almost forget what I just said. Sorry. Yeah, actually, that's cool. It's okay, because I want to actually go back and talk about uh, what you guys were just talking about anyway, in terms of back in the 80s and 90s, abs, a lot of um, states actually saw, and it was a lot of more of the bluer states, uh, northern states, saw a lot of its factories move down south to South Carolina and, and North, you know, all the way down there because costs were cheaper. And that was the factories at the time. So Kevin O'Leary's spot, as much as he could be a, a rat snake weasel, I know people want to see it. So let me bring it up. There he is on the chart there. But as much as people want to see it, he is he is factually correct in that that states have become there are certain states have no question about it that have become in, in, in uninvestable because of the fact that they tax you in my state we call it the tax you the death state right because that's what they do and Gonzo's right a lot of my friends have been saying the minute they retire they're getting the hell out of here and and so it's going to happen there's no question about it that some of the redder states are you know are are trying to make a home for places where it makes sense to invest in and to not penalize you as you rightfully said. And in terms of what Brad is saying, that's correct, Abs, that we've known from day one that there's 20,000 uh, uh, cryptocurrencies out there. There's 10,000 that are actually active, and only 1% or 2% of them will probably probably survive, right? So you're talking 100 to maybe, let's say, 1,000 coins, uh, technologies that may be out there in the long run. So we've always been saying for that reason, you want to invest in the ones that have real-world solves and utility. If you're investing in anything else, well, folks, listen. If you're okay with gambling, then that's fine. But make sure you know that it's gambling. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got 401 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for starting your week with us. We are going to bring the important news. As John Deaton highlights how this could actually be a positive thing for Ripple because of the partnerships that were inked over the weekend. So is it just me or did Ripple CEO just say that this crisis highlighted a desperate need for disruptive technology that modernizes the U.S. banking system. And Brad Garlinghouse said it there. If we had no friction within our banking system, bank runs would be much more difficult. If we had access to instant liquidity, 
that is what Ripple is doing, not only for banks around the world, but specifically for banks within the United States. That's why Bank of America is willing to work with Ripple. And I believe that's why the SEC decided to sue that crypto company out of the 22,000 that exists today. So Gonzo, love to get some of your thoughts on this broad spectrum. How do you feel about Brad Garlinghouse surviving this attack, but also this is positive for his company? Yeah, you know, I, I think he's spot on. Like what we're seeing is a liquidity crisis, right? And that's what it fixes. It's on-demand liquidity. And so you don't have those issues with the bank run. But while you were talking, I, I uh, what came to the forefront of my mind is there was a story that uh, I heard them talking about, which was crazy. Instead of trying to fix the, the, the federal banking system or the banking system with new technology, right? And to stop these bank runs, what they were talking about, I, I forgot which senator it was, it was to pass laws that limit, like on social media, what you can say. Because what, what causes a bank run is panic, right? It's the human beings going in and pulling all of their money out. So instead of fixing the actual problem, they want to limit what you can say on social media so that you don't get a panic. So you're basically controlling the media so you don't put out a narrative uh, to go pull your money. And that would stop the bank run, which is absolutely asinine. Instead of just fixing what the actual problem is, you're just trying to limit uh, you know, people's emotions, or you're just trying to stop people from going and pulling their money out, which a as irrational as it seems, it's actually not, right? If you knew you had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in a bank, and it's going to go insolvent, it makes sense that you're going to pull that money out. You're going to be safe, right? And so I, I thought that was hilarious. I can't remember what the name of the senator is, uh, but um, he was talking about that. And Gonzo, check out this news as well. As Silvergate and Silicon Valley and Signature are all shattered, this basically destroys all on and off ramps when it comes to cryptocurrency in the United States. And this is the biggest concern I have, guys. They don't have to outlaw decentralized currencies. They just have to make it almost impossible for you to get money into the crypto markets. And the best way to do that is to go after unqualified custodians such as Coinbase. Johnny, I'm going to pull up a tweet in the background while you comment on this because Coinbase they actually had over $250 million tied into this USDC collapse. So I want to talk about that as well. How do you feel about the attack on on and off ramps in the United States? Well, this is it, Abs, right there. Look at those three names. This is Operation Choke Point. Silvergate, Silicon Valley. Now, here's what I, here's what's frustrating to me. Back in 2008, let me let me just say this right now. If that was if that said JP Morgan, Chase, and Wells Fargo, guess what? You know how Yellen came out and said, oh, there's no bailouts? It would be a different message. You would definitely have a bailout. Good job, Gonzo. There would definitely be bailouts. But the fact that it's crypto, and we know that they don't want crypto, there is zero surprise here that they're not bailing them out. Was anybody surprised that they weren't going to bail out these three companies? Says, oh, by the way, what's their number one focus? Crypto? You think the governments were going to bail out a crypto bank? Which is, no. This is no surprise. It's exactly what, what we thought would happen. We've been saying it. And squeezing those choke points, you know, squeezing those on off ramps makes it very, very difficult now to play in crypto. And crypto, I think, is going to struggle. I think we're going to have to see if any other banks. Now, we know Kraken is trying to become a bank. Keep an eye on that. Let's see if they get the approval. My bet is they won't, not until it's too late. And um, and so now what are we going to do? Who's going to do this? Cross River. Poor Cross River. They're going to have a target on their back like they never seen before, Gonzo. To be honest, though, Johnny, I'm being honest. I wasn't sure about Silicon Valley Bank just because more than the crypto narrative, it's like the tech narrative, right? And you had all these different startups, not just the major ones, but all these other different kind of thousands of companies. If it's not hundreds or thousands of companies that were tech startups, it's where a lot of the venture capital. So it seemed like them going under could really affect innovation in the tech world because this is the hub. And so I, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, you know, maybe they do save it because of that whole narrative that it's going to set back innovation or tech innovation for like the next 10 years, because that's the narrative that was going out there. But now we know what they're doing is they're just backstopping it and the bank's going to go away. But uh, yeah, if I'm being honest, I, I wasn't sure. Right. Uh, and when you look at the collapses, like so the first the number one collapse was Washington Mutual in 2008. And then now SVP is the second. And now Signature is going to be the third. Um, but, but you're right. You know, these are regional banks. I know that you retweeted out that whole list. And even before any of this stuff happened, you know, it was, uh, th there's some banks that are on there that seem to be like in trouble now. Um, and so we'll see how it plays out. That's what I said when it's like, it's almost the beginning of the end for banks, but this is actually a really positive spin for crypto. Cause guys, 
crypto on-demand liquidity solves the problem that the banks are dealing with today. And we got a little evidence for that here. As on March 10th, Coinbase had approximately $240 million signed up in Signatures Bank. As the FDIC stated earlier today, they expect to fully recover these funds. And Johnny, although that's positive, it's negative that the FDIC has to come in and bail out a company such as Coinbase. It really just goes to show how connected these markets are. I'd like to pull up the tweet that you showed from earlier this week of all the banks that have lost over $100 billion in value. So please just give me some statements and I'll pull up that list. Yeah, you. while you're going to pull that up, the, the only challenge with on-demand liquidity still is there has to be some liquidity somewhere to back that. And that's the part we have to see. How is the whole thing going to play? Because if it's still going to be a 97% reserve lending system, then I'm, I'm not so sure even having an on-demand liquidity solves the problem of a bank run. Remember, on-demand liquidity solves the problem of, you know, maybe these Nostra Vostra accounts you don't have to hold. But if the money's not there, the money's not, if you're relending, I'm not so sure. So we have to figure out how that whole thing is going to play out. But yeah, exactly. This is the, um, these were the depositors in the chunk of money. And the scary thing about this, Abs, was when you look at this list, they have $200 billion in depositors. And if you add all that up, that's only about maybe $4 billion. So the question is, what's the other $196 billion? Who were they? And the interesting thing is they're all going to get their money back. And so what you hear is a lot of these are companies and rich people. So, yeah, basically the government just protected the rich people and gave them their money back at, at our expense. What else is new, my friends? But we got 410 <laughs> live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, give me your take on this article right here, as these are the current list of companies that disclose their losses in this banking collapse. So Circle had about 3.3 billion, Roku had about half a billion and blocked by a quarter of a billion. But here's the most important detail. These are only the companies that have disclosed their exposure so far. We showed you earlier in this episode, Ripple is one of these companies that does have cash here and they haven't disclosed how much. So SVB had nearly 200 billion in deposits with about 97% of those deposits above the $250,000 fully insured limit. So Gonzo, open floor, my friend. Is this just the beginning or are we watching these problems get phased out right before our eyes? Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen, man. Like, um, you know, when when you look at this and like, you know, and I'm just trying to do the other side of the of, of the coin, right? And, and so everyone thinks like, oh, it's all big tech. Why do we bail out? Or why should these people get their money back? But But to be honest, there are a lot of companies that were attached to that. Um, there were a lot of companies that have nothing to do with tech that just kind of use their payroll software. And those people weren't able to like um, get their money or to, to pay their employees. So it's not just about big tech. There were all, there were a lot of, there were thousands of other like companies where there were small startups or just regular companies that used the banking services um, that had more than 250,000. And so now that they're going to, they're going to be okay. Right. And so um, yeah, I mean, definitely, like I said, I think the biggest thing to pay attention to is what we already talked about. What is the Fed going to do, right? Inflation is still at six point something percent up, right? And if they continue to raise rates, they're going to break the banking system. And so I think that's what I'm paying attention to, to see what happens and how they play it. So I think this next week is going to be really important to see what that inflation number is and what this next FOMC meeting Uh, you know, what they tell us and how that's going to play out. Thank you, Gonzo. And I want to remind our listeners, typically we do this at the end of the episode, but I don't want to forget this Wednesday, we are having Crypto Lulu back on the show. And we're looking forward to discussing all the price action we can anticipate with XRP. This is a great guest, a great friend of ours. And obviously, we're also showing you Gonzo's Twitter account. So go follow Gonzo on Twitter. That's at Gonzo underscore 3T on Twitter. Puts great information out there. Shout out to you, my friend. So let's end this episode with a little bit of positive news, Johnny, as one of your favorite projects is looking green for this week ahead as Filecoin is set to undergo one of the biggest upgrades to their network to date. This software platform will introduce smart contracts to enable developers to design decentralized applications on the Filecoin network. And because we don't have too much time, I'm going to skip this and make it a real long story short. This is a competitor to Ethereum, Johnny. And the fact that Filecoin's making this upgrade right now, 2023 and 2024 are going to be the growth of this project. I know you know more than me, so please open floor. What makes you so excited about Filecoin? Well, so it's more, I'd say it's more of a competitor to think of like Google Cloud, right? Where there's storage up in the cloud. And and what this Filecoin allows you to do is folks like you and me, we can actually loan our computer space 
that we have, you know, so if you have hard drive space on your computer that you're not using, you can allocate it to create a decentralized cloud. So rather than Google getting all the money for creating a cloud, Filecoin is a decentralized version of that that allows that allows the, the common everyday man to be able to do that. That's why I like it. It's it's again just think of it as decent as a decentralized cloud. And uh, I you know certainly I know when we had Jusko on the show one of the days he had kind of built a picture of how he saw the future system with you know Bitcoin being the 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 lower foundation level for the actual uh, liquidity and Ethereum being the smart contract and File being part of that stack. That, you know, because again, you have to have data storage somewhere for all this to work. And so for me, file is definitely one of those that I wanted to make sure I like the utility in it. I think anytime people have a chance to be able to create a, a decentralized cloud, that's something they would be interested in getting paid to rent your storage space. Who wouldn't want that? Right. So that's why I'm a big um, believer in file and like so Go ahead. It does, well, I mean, the upgrade is a little bit more. I mean, they're creating their own virtual machine, the FVM, right? And so now it's going to be able to do smart contracts and it's going to be more programmable. So I think it's a huge upgrade for Filecoin. Uh, I mean, I think the last time it, it would have been great for you to build some positions or to DCA when all the craziness was going on, because now like we're up 20%, but we've been building our position since the end of last year. So um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I, I think that uh, Filecoin will do extremely well uh, in the next bull run, especially having their own virtual machine now and being highly programmable and being able to do smart contracts. So they're going to be able to create more things uh, into the ecosystem. And, and I think it's a good thing, me personally. And look at what uh, it did in the last... Look what it did in the last bull run. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, buddy. I was going to say, I know you got some additional comments. Right here is what I wanted to show our listeners. Last bull run, this token almost reached $200. And it's <laughs> I don't know how this didn't catch me on my radar. And it may be because it did a classic gala. It moonshotted and then just had a regression right after that. But as you can see, guys, this project went from about $3 to $200 during the last bull run. And now we've completed a full bear market regression, touching as low as $4 during the summer of 2022. So guys, we got 393 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the last story I want to touch upon for today, Gonzo, I'm kicking it right to you. The digital euro was launched on the Polygon network for seamless cross-border settlement. Now this headline, it's a little bit misleading, guys, because it's not the Digital Pound Foundation creating the digital euro. It's a stable coin that they've labeled the digital euro. So a little bit of play on words. The first and only EU-regulated fully-backed stablecoin digital euro was launched on the Polygon network thanks to a new partnership with Membrane Finance and German GIA X. So this is pretty cool because the modern European stablecoin would be the main settlement token for the Web3 ecosystem built on Polygon. I know we only have a couple of minutes left here, Gonzo, but please, what does this mean to you? This is pretty exciting that Polygon continues to make great partnerships. Yeah, it just makes me more bullish on Polygon. I know when you sent me the story this morning, I was like, wait, what? And then, and then you know, you read it and it's like, it's not a government back stable going, right? But it is going to be based on, on the euro. And I think it's just another use case for Polygon. Johnny's always talking about like, what's the real utility? Is it actually being used? And Polygon is just crushing it. Whether it's their scaling solution for Ethereum, whether it's their gaming ecosystem, digital identity. I mean, these guys just keep moving and moving. Again, the price action to get into was like when everything was crazy. Uh, I, I, I don't think it affected the price that much. It was up to like a dollar eleven, but um, yeah, I love me some Matic. I've got it. I've got it uh, um, staked on Stater Wallet. You know where they give you liquid staking, um, and uh, it's a long term hold for me into the next bull run. Absolutely, guys. And I'd love to get over 200 live likes on this video. Smash that like button. The only reason we ask that, and I want to preface this because I'm going to only do this once. The reason we ask you to smash the like button is the way the algorithm works for YouTube. How many likes you get is directly correlated to how many people this video gets pushed out to. So when we ask you to smash the like button, it's just so more people could see our video. But Johnny, we got 387 live listeners. Why don't you close us out for today's episode? How do you feel about this Polygon news? Well, Abs, I thought you wanted them to smash the like button because everybody gets to take a shot. Don't forget when they're doing this, the like button. That's right. So bottoms up, guys. But, it, you know, it is definitely a, a misleading ad the way, you know, clickbait title. But at the end of the day, I think what's important is more use cases for, for these technologies. Polygon is definitely going to be one of those that I think is going to be huge in the future as a layer two to, uh, to accelerate and, you know, make things um, – you know, more cheaper, affordable for the Ethereum network. So I like it. I've got it in my bags. It's one of those horses that I'm bringing with me and been stacking. You know, we, we've been, we've had opportunities. Ab, so the past year 
of buying things at, at almost a 90% regression from the tops. And, and those were the times to buy. Now, obviously, we're in a little bit of a, a bull run today, but I think there'll be more opportunities between now and the big bull run that's going to hopefully come at the end of uh, middle to end of next year, Abs. So that's what's got me excited. Look for those opportunities, guys. Awesome. You know what else that goes into Abs real quick is to the um, overall clarity and regulation in Europe, right? And how far much more ahead they are than the U.S., that you know they're coming out with stable coins and doing these different things they are they're far more ahead than the u.s in their regulatory clarity exactly gonzo that's a that's the best point you could have made to close out the episode because it takes us to the original point we're trying to make if the u.s doesn't adopt this crypto it doesn't go away it doesn't get eradicated what happens it goes overseas and it continues to thrive but guys when i look at the polygon price chart here this is one of the most unique price charts in the market today as you can tell during the last bull run, we started off at a penny and we reached all the way to about $3, just below $2.75. Well, during this bear market regression, it didn't do what many other tokens did during the bear market, not completing a 90% regression, but instead holding 80% of its value, Johnny. So this is pretty interesting showing that this crypto token does appear to have some resilience even during a bear market. But we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Gonzo, aka Super G. Like we said earlier in the episode, Crypto Lulu is going to be on the show this Wednesday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your fit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys. Love you, See you guys tomorrow. Love you.